we're starting a brand new series this week, and I want to give series credit, uh, at least the, um, well, all the graphics and stuff to LifeChurch.tv, uh, Craig Rochelle, that's where the idea came from. Um, I don't know how long, maybe six months ago, I listened to one of them, and it just like struck a chord. I think there's something in this today. So I think that leading off of last week, so if you were here for Easter, we talked about this idea that if, you know, if there's no resurrection, then there's no life for us. Uh, and the resurrection is important for us to live in and through that place. And so there's no better way for us to live in the resurrection and through the resurrection than this idea that we're going to talk about today, which is what's going on inside of your head. Anybody have issues with what's going on inside of your head? Remember, okay, new, like if you're new here, we don't raise our hand ever. Even if I ask for it, don't raise your hand. Um, so there's no better way for us to do that. And, and let me just start off talking about the guy who we're going to talk about. So we're going to um, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. Those are our primary verses we're going to be into. Um, but I want to, before we get into a strategy that helps us change the way we think so that we can change our life, um, I want to talk through um, something else Paul said. And this is in Romans 7. It's going to be in the screen behind you. Um, verse 15 through 25. This is... Paul, uh, and I talk about him a lot just because he scares me, um, not because he's scary, but like I think he's legit. Like I like the screw-ups in the Bible because I feel like like we could connect. Paul, on the other hand, I feel like I feel like this shirt isn't pressed enough for Paul. I looked at it this morning as I put it on and thought, Paul would not like that. I didn't think that, but um, that's what went through my head. So let me let me read this to you. This, this is Paul, the guy who wrote most of, if you're reading in and around the New Testament, especially outside of the Gospels, the first four books, a lot of what you're reading is going to be written by this guy. And listen to what he says, starting in verse 14. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. Anyone else? <laughs> you're like, why did I just do that? I think that all the time, especially when I'm up here preaching. Why did I just say that? Uh, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Husbands. Seriously, can, can, I get a, can I get an amen? Sometimes we have the desire to do what is right, to take out the garbage when the can is full. But like we just think, you know, the couch is comfortable and I want to sit there a little bit longer. The garbage is my thing. Every time I hear the can, do you all have one of those cans that comes out of another can? I think some torturous lady designed that so that the husband could hear it coming out of the cylinder and you would know I have failed. Anyway. No one else. Okay, just me. Uh, Verse 19, it says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want, I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. 
For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then a cry of desperation, because he just said, like, all the things I want to do, I'm not doing. There's something going on inside of me. In verse 24, he said, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And one chat, the next chapter, literally like two verses later, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see this internal struggle? Everyone that I know is living in a world of internal struggle. Not many people have conquered what's going on inside of their head. They may conquer what comes out of their mouth. But conquering what's going on inside of you as it wages war against the, the thing that you desire, the, the person that you want to be, the, the relationships that you want to cultivate, and all of these other things, this war inside of you. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how do we master, to the best of our ability, our mind. How do we master what's going on inside of our noggin? And let me just tell you as we get into this, this is not think positive and your life will be better. It's not. Now, I think there is power, like um, scientifically proven, I think there's power in positive thinking and I'm not discounting that. But I'm not talking about let's just be happier by thinking happier and we're going to be better. What we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is literal strategy of how do we as Christians take the truth of who God says we are and make that what determines what we do instead of the lie that we're constantly being bombarded with about ourselves. So what can we do if this craziness lurks inside of most of us? I'll give some of you might be saying some of you may have conquered completely and never think sad thoughts. You never think uh, unhappy thoughts. You're just you're, you just have the power of brain. But the most of us in this room need help. So let's pray before we really begin. <laughs> uh, Dear Heavenly Father, it is uh, by you that we have the power and authority to move uh, into uh, the places and into the reality of who you say that we are. So Lord, I pray that you take your word for us today, and that you help shape and mold the way we think. Lord, that we would be active participants in how and what we allow our mind to dwell on, to think on. And Lord, we ask that your truth would have power and authority to set and reestablish in us the truth of who you say we are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So that same guy that had that same dialogue of like, I don't know why I can't do the things that I want to do and I'm, I'm constantly doing the things that I don't want to do. He gives us a little bit of strategy in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It'll be on the screen behind you. It says, for though we walk in the flesh. 
We're walking in the flesh because we're alive in the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Some of us, if not all of us, are imprisoned by one lie or the other. The scary part of it is sometimes we don't even know that we're imprisoned by the lie. We don't even notice the lie. We just live it out. Things like, we can't, I can't trust people. I've been wounded and hurt too many times. I just can't trust people. And so we live in this place of, of constantly saying, I can't trust you. And we live in this guarded place, never allowing people um, to be who they are or should be for us because we can't trust people. Or God doesn't really love me. Lies that we let cycle in our head. He doesn't love me because of, and, and we put things in there. Or God doesn't care about me because these things are gone on. Or I'll never get better. Or your life will always be this bad. Or you always, or I will always be hurting like this. Or I can never really have real intimacy. There's all these things rolling around in our brain that are constantly shaping what we do. This, this, I don't want to call it truth because it's not really truth, but it's the truth that we're living in. We stay in this place. And so he gives us this, this war that's waging on inside of us. So listen in verse 5 is what Paul tells us what we do with that. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. War. We have to be active participants in this. Us deciding. See, even today, we, we can leave here going, man, that's a lie and that's a lie. But if we don't do anything with that knowledge, understanding that there is a lie there won't fix it. We have to actively be destroying the arguments and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Here's a kind of theme, ver- not verse, but a theme idea that you'll hear throughout this whole series. Is your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Think about that for a second. Your life will always be moving in that strongest thought. Those things that I just mentioned earlier, you're going to move in that direction. In um, Proverbs 23, 7, the New King James, it says, for as. He thinks in his heart, so he is. What you think about, you will become. What's going on inside of your head, you will enter into. If you think that you cannot, you probably won't. If you believe that you are a victim, always suffering at the hand of someone in outside circumstances, you will continue to be that same victim. If you believe that you can overcome through Christ's power, you can overcome. If you're always looking at problems or dwelling on problems, your problems will be overwhelming. You're going to be moving in the direction of what occupies your brain. So what do we do with that? If our mind literally is a battlefield, it's a battle between God's truth about you and Satan's lie to you. 
a war between God's truth and between the, our enemy's deceptions. Today, we want to build a foundation on thinking about what you think about. I mean, sometimes, literally, we just let life happen to us and we let these things run around in our head and we give them power and authority, but not by not doing anything with them. So let's let's take a little assessment on the uh, back of your piece of paper. You don't have to write any there. It's just a visual that you can see. Let's take a little mind audit in the last week or so uh, when we're we're on the scale and you don't have this is just internal. Don't holler out your number. I'm, I'm really I'm number one and worried. So on, on between worried and peaceful, where would you find yourself in that spectrum? Are you at one where literally everything that in your life you're worried about everything in your life is controlling you because of that worry or fear? Are you living in the truth that God's in control? God is. For me, who can be against me living in that peace, even in the midst of things that are going on? Next category is negative or positive. Are your thoughts as a pattern negative or are they positive? Then the next one is worldly or eternal. Do you do you spend most of your time thinking about the worldly life and that that's all that your world is revolving around the next series and binging on the next show or getting your next special package in the mail from Amazon or eternal literally thinking if if this life is temporal which the bible says that it's a, it's a vapor if this life is temporal it's only momentary and eternity is forever or where are you on that spectrum? Are you thinking about the thing that's going to last for a moment or the eternity that God has called us to think and process and work towards? Because remember, you, your life is moving in the direction of your strong, strongest thoughts. So what comes into your mind comes out of your life. So the question is, are you excited about the thoughts that you've been thinking? Like, if you're low on the, you're very worried, very negative, very worldly, um, are you excited about what your brain is generating in you? Or are you thinking about, man, I just cannot wait for, you know, my boss to walk in and fire me because I'm worried about him doing that. I mean, are you living in this place because we're going to move into that pattern? See, the problem is, is if we're, we're not excited about it, we have to do something about it. So the first step, there's two things that we're going to talk about today that I think that we can do with this idea of trying to do that. The first one is you have to identify your number one stronghold that's holding you back. That one thing that is controlling you. There's lots of things that have controlled me over the years. Uh, fear of man. I'm just like, I want everybody to like me. I want you to be my friend. I don't like it if you don't like me which is super dangerous for a pastor. I can explain that later, but um, it, it's not good. But w- one of the things for me, to tell you a little story, um, one of the things that really dominated a lot of my life was how smart I was. But that's a positive spin on what I'm getting ready to say, or how not smart that I was. 
Is that even correct English? I don't know. That proves my point. Uh, I spent the, the better part of elementary and middle school in um, classes for learning disabilities. I have uh, mild dyslexia, struggled reading, um, I'm still a horrible speller. Thank the Lord for auto check and Grammarly and some of these other things. I mean, it would be a world of hurt. But I literally spent most of my life afraid of people finding out how um, dumb I was. I didn't like going to those classes. I, I didn't like people know, knowing that I was going to those classes. And I literally did everything in my power to hide that from other people. And it, 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 it controlled so much of my life. And, and to be honest with you, if, if, to be completely honest with you, when I graduated high school, which I did, I probably graduated high school with a fifth grade reading level. I learned to work the system and I learned how to, you know, get through classes, but I didn't do any of the work because I was afraid of failing. So I would do the minimum. And it shaped so much of my life. I, I wasted so much of my life thinking of this thought that I'm stupid. And I don't want people to find out that I'm stupid. So I do things, you know, around that to, so that they'll never see it. They'll never know how. I mean, one of the worst things would be called on to read in class. And here I am reading. Now, if you wonder why I struggle reading, here it is. And then, you know, it's even crazier. Fast forward, I went to school to be an elementary education teacher, which is crazy. And you know what they would do? They'd make you stand in front of a board and write in front of people. I don't know what I was thinking. And it, it shaped so much of me. And, and to be completely honest, it, was, it wasn't like God changed that in me. Um, it, it was very slow. So in um, college, I was working at this job that was extremely boring. And this was pre-cell phones. It might have been cell phones. I didn't have one. Um, there was definitely no smartphones. There was definitely no like high-speed internet. There was no none of that. So if you were in a job, the, the the luxury that you might have was a radio. And so I literally uh, got so bored after I don't know a month of working this job. It was off season at a resort. Um, no one was coming in. And I brought a book. The one thing that I thought you know I, I cannot read. That's what I told. People all the time, I'm not a good reader, I don't understand, like I, so I, I didn't enjoy reading because I never read, and I got so bored one day that I started to read. And I actually enjoyed reading. Now, it still wasn't easy for me, but there was something that happened in me when I started to let go, because in, in me, I was choosing to believe that that's who I was, instead of it was something for me to overcome. Instead of it being the thing that identified me, and that's who I would be for the rest of my life, I finally got to a place that it was just something that I needed to work on, and I've gotten better at it. And of course, I still cannot spell that well, but like again, God blessed me having me born in the era that I'm in, and having a wife that spells very well. So if you get an email that looks like there's no errors in it, someone has read it. Before, let me just tell you. But there, and that's just one of like so many things that that kept me in this box of going. I can only be this because of this one thing that I'm unwilling to overcome because it's what I thought I was. I literally thought I was an idiot. 
And it shaped and molded who I was. And, and, and the wor- not worst part about it, but what kind of kept me in that place is my dad struggled with the same thing. My brother was actually a, um, someone's case study for their master's program for his dyslexia. And so it was like, it was kind of like expected. Like my dad didn't have a whole lot of expectations of, of what I should be doing. So if I told him I tried, which most of the time I was lying, if I got an okay, you know, like a D, he's like, well, you tried. It's more like I lied. But that one thing dominated me. And what, what I want to get to right now is this place of what is that one thing in you? What is that one thing that you know isn't true, but you keep believing it about yourself? What is it? I, I mean, I can't identify it. I, I can't tell you what that is. But, you know, I, I can throw up things. It's like some of it, some of you in this room, you, you're, you're, you're dominated by the lie that you're not good enough. You're not good enough for anyone that you're not good enough for God. And that rules and shapes your life. And you you expect nothing from anyone because you think I'm not good enough. Or you're literally believing this lie that uh, my marriage will never get better. Like it's not horrible, but it's not going to go anywhere because this is what it is. Or it could be financial. We're never going to get ahead. We keep staying in this one place. And and the lie you may be believing is about the way you think about money. And so to get rid of a stronghold, to get rid of this thing, you have to name it. You have to identify it. You can't go, yes, I've got so many. Uh, You may have many. I have many. We've all had many. But what I'm asking for you today is what is that one thing that you need to ask God to get through. And so let me let me talk about something that I don't really know a whole lot about, but um, neuro, um, neural pathways. If you're a brain person, like forgive me for the hack that's getting ready to come. Okay, Google later, you'll find lots of. But they're basically the way our brain works is our brain's like a computer, and, and, and the computer likes to, you know, kind of go down this path. So once you do things a certain way for a certain period of time, it, it creates this neural pathway. And our brains are lazy, and they always want to move in the direction of least resistance, so they're going to use the path that you've worn out believing that one thing. And that's how our brain is, and it's going to continue to go down the path that we've created for it over and over again because we believe the lie, and we our, our, our thought pattern takes that path every single time. So what do we do with that? See, the, the I will always continues unless you do something with it. And, and this is work. Look, I'm not telling you like, OK, here, I'm going to give you a, a positive thought. And if you read this positive thought every day for the next seven days, it's going to be over. If you're going to get rid of a pathway that your brain has created that is leading you in a direction that you don't want to go to, like every time this happens, you respond in this way because of this pathway that you've created. The only way that you can get rid of that path is choosing to not take it and creating a new one. And I don't know if you've ever trail or blazed a trail, like gone out into the wilderness where there is no trail. It stinks, right? Like, is anybody like 
spider webs and briars. I mean, like everybody like go down to Brunswick Nature Park. They have trails that you can walk on. Now, there's still spider webs. You can get around that. But like there, you know, it's clear and you can go. This is the way I'm supposed to go. Cutting a new path is going to take work. You're going to have to forge ahead on that path. You're going to have to choose. So once you find out the stronghold, which is this path that we've created in our brain, we have to choose not to use that path. And the only way we're not going to use that path is by creating a new path, a way around that way of thinking. So we find out what that stronghold is. We name it. And then we begin to think a different way. And that one way that we do that is through and in God's word. One of the best things that you can do is begin to, and this is one thing I'm going to recommend for you, begin to memorize the truth, which that's going to be step two. I'm kind of cheating for you. Memorizing the truth in the word. And I'm not talking about, again, positive thinking. I'm talking about the truth that God has given us in his word. And see, the more that you take that truth, the more that you choose the truth over the lie, you will create a new pathway and then your response will move in that direction the more that you choose to do that pathways. You stay off the old path, it weakens, it grows over, and then that becomes the harder trail path to go down. Look at this in Romans 12 Verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing or renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Renewal. This is what's going to change us. If we're not doing anything with our brain, and here's the danger. And this is why I believe most believers stay in this category of using that old pathway is because we're uninterested in doing anything that looks like work. And let me just tell you, there there is no easy way to be a disciple of Jesus other than choosing to put the work in. And what's crazy is every other area of our life is the same way, but we, we don't expect it to be any different. If you decide to go back to school and to get a, a, a degree, a bachelor's or master's degree, you aren't going to go like, well, if I show up, they're going to give me my diploma. No, you're going to have to put hours and hours of work in to earn that thing. Now, I'm not talking about earning. I know I just said that word. Salvation is a free gift, but living the life that God has called us to, this word called sanctification, us becoming like Christ, is work. The same thing if we decide to reshape our physical fitness, you're not going to like, I'm going to tell you, gyms want to keep you in this place. Getting a membership and paying for it every month isn't going to do you any good. Does them really good because you don't come. They collect money. That's why they can charge you only $30 a month to go to their gym because thousands of you paying $30 a month that never enter the gym. That's why you don't go to the gym during January. Because everybody that's taken their New Year's resolution, they're going to get their gym membership and they go for about 20 days. And then they never go back. It's the same thing if we're going to decide to change the way we think. I, I'm just... 
telling you, if you're going to do anything new, it is going to take work. If we're going to transform our brain, we have to do something for it. We have to work in it. So here's step two. Step one is identifying that stronghold. What is the lie that you are believing? And if you're going to catch a lie, if you're going to identify a lie, the second part of it is always going to be you have to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Stronghold in uh, the, the scripture is literally a prison that we've most of the time created ourselves. Most of the prison that you're in isn't imposed by someone else. It's imposed by you. The way you think about yourself and who God is to you and how he cares for you and what he wants to do for you. And we, we do all these things for us because of this prison that we put ourselves in. And, and I don't remember which song it was, but it was. You know, there's freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. And I know that wasn't in the song this morning, but when the spirit where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If we're living in the resurrection, there is freedom in that truth. So let's go back to Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. So what do we do? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every and this is work. Do you know how many thoughts that you have? Anybody? A lot, right? And what does it say? Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, let's let's take this outside of ourselves. Because I know it's overwhelming. You think about all the thoughts you have and all the work that's going to take. Think about it through the lens of a child. The only way that you change behavior is staying on top of their actions. Literally shaping and molding their behavior is being intentional. And it's this dreaded word of every parent. Consistency. Consistency is king. And it's the same thing with us. If, if you're not consistent with them, their kids are they're gamblers. They're like, if only 30% of the time I'm going to get in trouble for this, I'm going to roll that dice. But if they know every single time I do this, this is going to happen sooner or later, they will stop doing that because they'll know this is going to happen and I'm going to change their behavior. So what do we do? We take every thought captive. And and there's this word here. um, Captive. It comes from a Greek word that literally means to arrest or seize with sword or spear. Captive. Take this out. I don't remember. Not that I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this conversation that Paul also had about the armor of God. Which I'm not going to go into. And it's in Ephesians, I believe, 6. Um, and I'm not going to go through every single armor implement. There's only one offensive weapon in that arsenal. And it was the sword of truth, which is the word. So take every thought captive is Taking it captive, not, you know, like, you don't all get like a play sword on the way out. So you'd be like, yes, thoughts die. It comes from us literally taking the one tool offensively in our arsenal, which is the word of God. And we put the word of God against the lie and the truth will always win. So if 
you will be moving in the direction of your strongest thought. That, that is going to happen. It is happening right now in your life. You are moving in the direction of your strongest thought. And so if you don't like your strongest thought, you have to do something with that. You have to change that. If you don't like the trajectory, the direction of the path that you're going on, you have to do something about it. See, for years, going back to my my story, for years, I stayed on the path that I will never be smarter. I, I will never be able to comprehend. I will never be able to read. I will never enjoy reading. And for years, I stayed in that area because it was comfortable. It was easy. And, and the truth is, I kept seeing proof that that was true. But most, probably 90% of the truth that that was true was coming out of my Lack of effort. Because I literally didn't do anything to change it. I just accepted that every day I was going to be the same. Instead of deciding, if I want to change that thought, I have to, one, name it. Have to identify what that is. So what comes out of your Mind will come out of your life. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. So what do we do? So we're going to capture lies. We're going to identify them. We're literally going to take inventory of your day. If you want to change this, then you're going to have to be active. When it says take every thought obedience uh, to obey Christ, you have to do something with your thought life. And it's work. You have to literally go, no, 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 that, that's lie. That's a lie. Because I, I believe the enemy is going to test this. He's going to test your resolve, your, your, your willingness to push forward. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get more and more practical on how this works. How do we do that? What are the disciplines we need to do to renew our mind? We capture them and replace them with the truth. And, of course, what is the truth? Uh, John eight thirty two, and he said, and you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. The true truth will set you free. If you will identify the lie that you're living in, that you're believing and you put the truth on top of that. And it is not, I promise you, it is not a one-time effort. So if you go home today and you identify, man, this is the lie. Maybe you ask your spouse or someone close to you, like, I feel like I'm moving in this direction because this is a lie I'm believing. They may go, yes, I feel like you're moving in that direction. So you identify the lie and you find a truth that counteracts that lie. You cannot stop there. You cannot stop with identifying and identifying the lie and identifying the new truth. You have to make that new neurological pathway of setting the truth in your mind because that lie is going to come up again. You're literally going to have that that thought come into your mind. And maybe it's even memorizing parts of um, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, where take every thought captive to, the, to obey Christ, that, that you do something with your thoughts, because it's going to be overwhelming to begin with. But the only way that we change 
is doing it different. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. We're crazy because we do that all the time. And we have a Savior that knew that we had, do not have the ability to set ourselves free. And He came and lived the life that we could not. He died the death that we deserve so that we could experience freedom. This is the truth of living in the resurrection. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And let me, let me just... If you're going to change the way you're going, you have to begin to change some of the things that are going on in your head. So as we close our service, identify in, in this moment. And if you can't do it today, like right now at this moment, I know sometimes you might like, man, I've got lots of strongholds. I don't know which one is the major one. But ask God, show me the one that is controlling me. And then then start looking in the word for the truth that will set you free from that. And, and the beauty of this, um, if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, there's actually a Bible reading plan that goes with this series. You just type in Mastermind and there's a series that you can follow and there will be daily readings that will be following this idea. So if you're intrigued by this and you want to to cultivate more of this, you can follow that Bible reading plan online. But let me just tell you, we cannot have a truth that's not ours. We cannot. We cannot just claim something that isn't ours. And for the truth to be ours, we have to be Christ. We have to be His. He has to purchase us. And so let let me just encourage you, if you are not a child of God, if you've not surrendered to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and, and committed to Him, those aren't your truths, but they can be your truths. They can be your truths right now. And so as we go into worship, I just encourage you, if they're not your truth, if he's not your savior and you don't know him, have a conversation. A little bit later, there's going to be people up here for prayer. If you're like, man, I I want to move in this direction. I want to know more about Christ. Ask. Let us help you move in that direction so that these truths are yours, because I want to change our church. And the best way that I can help change us, cultivate us, help disciple us, is removing strongholds, lies that you're believing, and replacing those with truths. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you today that you who have given us an opportunity to be free. And Lord, we just declare the truth that where your spirit is, there is freedom. So for every single one of your children in this room, Lord, I pray that you would help us identify strongholds and lies that we as your children are believing. And so, Lord, I pray that you make us aware of that, Lord, that you help us identify what that is. And Lord, I pray You help us with that come to the truth 
that captures, that demolishes that stronghold. Lord, I pray over the next week that we would do the work of taking inventory of our thought life, being intentional about what we're thinking about, not allowing the enemy to have reign over us all the time. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us shape and mold our thinking so that we can move in a direction that is not just pleasing to you, but is helpful for us. And so, Lord, we just ask that over the next four weeks, as we look at this idea over and over again of mastering our mind, that we would see that through you all things are possible. The things that we feel trapped in, Lord, you can give us freedom in. So, Lord, as we worship, I pray that you would be honored. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.